A school bus driver who was found to have raped a 14-year-old girl ends up with no prison time when it's all said and done. A YouTuber named Edka, Edka, called himself God, so no matter what his name is, and then posted some anti-Semitic messages on his Twitter account. And police were looking for a shooter in an incident in Ohio that left four family members dead in their apartment. These are three very serious stories and three stories that got a lot of attention this week from you guys out there, but not the top 10 stories for the week, as said by you. So what stories are in the top 10 this week? We'll tell you about that and the almost relevant story this week going all the way to 209 distinct posts this week on The Wrap-Up Show with Jay Cleveland Payne. This is The Wrap-Up Show for this week ending May the 4th, 2019. And welcome to the show. My name is Jay Cleveland Payne, and as I said already, and this is The Wrap-Up Show. It's brought to you by... This is a conversation.com and it's a website and a movement, if you will, to have the best conversations with people around the world over the best stories. And we do that by posting a new story every 50 minutes into our social media feeds on Twitter and Facebook. And you see those in your feed and you instantly fall in love with the stories and must react to it. That's how this whole thing works. So when you see the stories in your feed, you see them, you like them, you love them, you hate them, you respond to them. Do whatever you can to engage in as many stories as you see coming from This Is The Conversation as come through your day. And those stories with the most engagement get added up into a countdown, which will happen in mere moments. Count them down 10 to 1 to see which stories were the top 10 stories for this week. In segment number two, we go all the way down to the bottom and talk about what's the most or almost relevant story of the week. We go to the very bottom story this week of 209 different stories posted. And we'll tell you about that one. Normally, it's a latent edition so it didn't get a lot of time to grow and we'll tell you why it is what it is and why it might not be as irrelevant as we make it seem we also do in that segment the housekeeping segment we talk about things that may have been a little weird in the top 10 and why they turned out that way maybe some decision that we made in the adding and shifting of things maybe just magic of the day we'll tell you about that explain what may be a little hinky in the second segment. Third segment, we wrap up the show where we go to what we call rounding out the top 15, which is simply that, rounding out the top 15. Stories not quite in range, including those stories you heard in the tease, uh, and where they were more or less in relation to the top 10 and why maybe they didn't quite make it in. We already said this is for May the 4th, so get your Star Wars jokes out already. Please take your take your time. I'll, I'll wait. We, we got time, so take care of it. Okay, so now that's done. One more time, replying on how you get the chance to reply and be a part of the actual conversation. It's very simple. Follow us on Facebook at This Is The Conversation. Make sure we're set to be a default into your feed. And also follow us on Twitter at TH underscore conversation. We're also on Instagram at ThisIsTheConversation.com as well. And our main website, of course, ThisIsTheConversation.com. When you see the stories in your feed, respond to them, reply to them, engage with them. The more engagement they get, the higher they go. Starting off with this one that got pretty high. And I was pretty surprised that it made its way here and stayed so long. But like we say, this is about what you guys are looking for. So that's how the stories get there. I literally picked nothing. I put them in there and we see what happens with the numbers. Because of that, we have this headline for number 10. James Wilder Jr., Taiwan Jones, among five former NFL players attending WWE tryouts. And I like the WWE, which is how they got into the list. This was posted on Saturday, April 27th. Let's get to some details about this uh, as we got it from Sports Illustrated. Five men are hoping to follow in the footsteps this week of so many other former football players who found success in WWE. 
A group of 40 athletes is at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando this week to try to catch on to the biggest company in pro wrestling. And the list of hopefuls includes five names that should be familiar to football fans. Former NFL players James Wilder Jr., Taiwan Marks-Jones, A.J. Francis, Chris Martin, and Christian Sokol, Sokoli are attending the tryout, which runs through Saturday. Jones and Martin were members of the Alliance of American Football before the league abruptly folded earlier this month. WWE recruit Paul Flair announced that the league suspended operations that he would open up two spots for the company's April tryout to former AFL players. So you can go deeper into the story and get all the details for all the players for this one. And you can go deeper into all the stories we list today and every day. Go to the listing, the posting for this week's podcast at thisisconversation.com. And you can see the link to the story we pulled from this week. But this was a really cool one. And that was really cool about that. The AAF, hard to say that, Alliance of American Football League uh, was the upstart league that was had a lot of ties with the NFL, was ready to go and ready to work off as a feeder league for the next season. And then they ran out of money. So it's luckily it's lucky they offered up two spots for those two guys who were playing football right now so they can jump in and take take part in the tryouts. And there's like like the story says, there's 40 elite athletes, some of them professional wrestlers in the indie scene, some of the other athletes, other sports stars. And it's cool that they got a chance to make this tryout. You may not know whether they make it for quite some time. These things are semi secret, but we'll see what happens if some of these big names or semi big names in football come back to emerge as semi big names in professional wrestling. Moving on to the story in the number nine spot. This story is a story that has a bump in response. That's how much more responsive you were to this story than the last story of 6.22%. Also posted on Saturday, April 27th, the headline is, Surgeon Who Hit Cop With Car Wins $1.2 million in Excessive Force Lawsuit. We pulled this from the New York Post, and this was an interesting story uh, that we found. So hopefully you'll find it interesting here if you didn't really engage this one. This is what essentially our legal system at work. The cancer doctor with a God complex who claimed cops manhandled her during a spat over a parking ticket won nearly $1.2 million in an excessive force lawsuit Friday. Dr. Rachel Wellner, a former Bronx surgeon who told officers, quote, I'm the hero. The cops are not, unquote, when she was arrested for striking an officer's leg with her Volvo three years ago. Sued the city for $30 million, claiming her civil rights were violated when a cop pushed her and grabbed her arm during a midtown traffic stop in February 2016. During the clash with the cops, police says Wellner went on a rant about how her job saving lives made her superior to them. Here's a quote from her. I'm a doctor. I have patients that are dying. I have to go. She later pleaded guilty to the disorderly conduct charge, was sentenced to 10 days of community service, and then sued the city in September of 2016. You have to really go deeper into the story. There's also the link to the previous story the Post posted when she um, had got arrested and was planning to sue. So if you like that story, you'll love the insaneness of the story that brought us to this part here. So check that out at the website. And like we said, if you don't like these stories, these are all about the stories that you give us for your engagement. So engage in other stories or engage in less stories, however you want to think about it. But this is all based on the response from all of the listeners to the podcast and people that follow us on social media. Moving on to the story in the number eight spot this week, it gets a bump in response from the seven story of 1.56%. 
The headline, Maine renames Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day. This was posted Sunday, April the 28th. We sourced this from CBS News. Here's a few lines from that story as it came down. Maine on Friday became the latest state to rename Columbus Day as Indigenous Peoples Day when Governor Janet Mills signed a bill making the change official. Other states that have made the change include neighboring Vermont, Alaska, and South Dakota. Alaska and South Dakota don't neighbor to Vermont. That's just how it's written. Our history is by no means perfect, but for too long it has been written and presented in a way that fails to acknowledge our shortcomings, Mills said in a statement. The October holiday is often criticized for celebrating the atrocities brought upon by colonization. Another quote, there is a power in the name and in who we choose to honor. Today, we take another step in healing the divisions of the past and fostering inclusiveness and telling a fuller, deeper history and in bringing the state and Maine tribal communities together to build a future shaped by mutual trust and respect. Penascot Nation Tribal Ambassador Malo Danis told CBS Portland, Maine affiliate WGME, she, quote, honestly didn't see it coming. It's hard in a state like Maine where we do have a lot of racial tensions. We do have a lot of misunderstandings and a lot of gaps between groups, I think. That's what Dana said. The legislator had failed twice before to do this, but this time it happened. And a lot of people have very strong opinions on Columbus Day and what it means and what it doesn't mean. I had a former co-worker whose birthday was on Columbus Day, or actually still is normally on Columbus Day. We talked about a time in eighth grade when she learned about the truth about Columbus when she asked if they were going to have some sort of party for her on Columbus Day because it was her birthday. And the teacher said something about Columbus being a uh, a pillager and a rapist, to which she asked, well, can I still have a party? And they did, but not to celebrate Columbus, to celebrate my friend who really does deserve it. So pre-happy birthday to her, and you get to deal how we're going to deal with in this situation. There's a lot of talk these days about renaming things because of history or history past and history future. If you agree or disagree, let me know. We can talk about this offline. Email me at theconversationinbox at gmail.com or just reply at the conversation website. Let's move forward to another story in order. It's number seven this week, and this is one will definitely melt your heart. And if you don't have a heart, then you should go find one so it could be melted because that's that's just how good this story is. We doctored the headline a little bit as it went out to clean it up and make it more clear, but this is what we posted as the headline on Saturday, April the 27th. And a bump response from the number eight story, by the way, 1.54%. Hundreds of strangers attend World War II heroes' funeral. USA Today is the source, and we're going to read from that source. Hundreds fill the church Friday for a man many of them never knew. Bob Graham, a World War II Marine Raider who fought at Guadalcanal and Bougainville, sorry about that, but died this month at a nursing home with no relatives alive to honor him. So, Men in Blue Jackets, VFW Post 2285, East Chester, American Legion Post 1009, Yorktown, and others, their hair gone gray or white, lined pews inside St. Elizabeth's and Seton Church in New York Friday morning. Men in Rolling Thunder black biker vests sat in others. Younger veterans came, town officials and civilians too. Soon it was standing room only. Rick Cass of Yorktown never met Graham, but he had to come. Quote, both of my grandfathers were in World War I, Cass said. My father fought in Korea and, I, and helped to found a Korean War veterans chapter in Pennsylvania. Cass' son just got out of the Navy. I think this is a bit more than what people expected, Cass said, of the ceremony and turnout. He said his father would have been proud. 
go deeper into the story and deeper into Graham's life by checking out of the link at the website for thisistheconversation.com for this week's podcast. Now, in the last few weeks, we've had plenty, in the last few years, we have plenty of these stories. A few weeks ago, we had a story just like this about a veteran who had no living relatives that could get to his funeral. So many people, dozens of people showed up at his funeral, which was um, weeks ago we had it here on the podcast. We'll see if we can pull it up and talk about it in the housekeeping segment. But this is a touching story. As I said, if you don't have a heart, go find one so it can be melted by this story right here. This story right here as a southern guy with no southern accent to be heard is one that kind of befuddles me because pretty much we pretty much had it thought that the southern accent, accent was it and there's no number two. This says there's a number two, and you actually think about number one. South African accent voted second sexiest in the world, and as hard as it is to say sexiest, that's what it's voted as. Thursday, May the 2nd, when this one was posted, a bumper response of 12.88%, so that means you guys got in on this one late, but you loved this South African accent, so you made it go pretty high, all the way to number six that quickly. Let's get you a few lines from this one. Obviously, it's written from the standpoint of people who are closer to South Africa than we are here in Arkansas. So there you go. Let's get you a bit from the story. This website's called IOL, and there's a bunch of things in it, so I'm assuming it is, um, I'm assuming it's not from here. Let's just go with that. We may think our accent is sort of flat slash unsexy even, but not according to the latest poll in Big7Travel.com. Yes, foreigners think the South African accent is the second sexiest in the world. Now, we can lay claim to not only some of the most beautiful scenery in the world, but also the way we speak. With almost 7,000 languages in the world, the travel website polled their readers across the globe to find the world's sexiest. The top 10 are, in order from 1 to 10, New Zealand, South African, Irish, Italian, Australian, Scottish, French, Spanish, Southern U.S., and Brazilian Portuguese. Now, how U.S. Southern is the number nine of this list, I I demand a recount right now. There's something wrong with this list right here, right now. So, IOL, you guys in South Africa, I th- I think it's rigged. I just have to say that. You want more details on the sexiest language in the world and how it isn't New Zealand? Check out the link for this story in this week's podcast at thisistheconversation.com slash fake news. Okay, the fake news part isn't there. Go to thisistheconversation.com, click the link for this week's podcast, and you can see this story in the number six spot. But um, but placing U.S. Southern in a nine spot, um, I I I don't I, I may get a case of the vapors. I, I don't know if I can go on. Moving on, number five story this week. This is the headline, and this is a cool one because oddly enough, with all the stuff going on in the NFL draft, because it started on Thursday. Some of the big stories got cut off, but this story we posted on Saturday, April the 27th, late in the draft, made a big splash, Uh, so we're cool on this one. And if you can't get down with this one, you may not have a heart or a soul. The story headline is, Dallas Cowboys with back-to-back picks in 2019 NFL draft selected Michael Jackson and Joe Jackson out of Miami. Bump a response of 4.36%. This coming from the Dallas News. So Dallas, of course, keeping up with their own team. This being becoming a very big story for them. I'm not going to go too deep into this story here. Uh, two guys playing for Miami were drafted in the fifth round thanks to some 
some draft pick trades. They ended up going back to back. So the Cowboys did pick up first Michael Jackson, or a guy named Michael Jackson, and then a guy named Joe Jackson, which makes it ironic because Joe Jackson, the father of the famous Michael Jackson, uh, it just it just gets kind of cool on that end. Now they uh, were a pretty good tandem this year uh, for Miami, which is the cool thing about that. These guys had a lot of going for them, and they really showed their worth at the combine. But it's also just cool that they picked Michael and Joe Jackson back to back for the same team. If you have no idea what's going on, you probably don't follow American football. This is a, 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 a international wide podcast and things going on. We do try to focus on things that are sort of here-ish in the states, but we do our best to make sure we get the international stuff done. I mean, we just let you guys have South Africa have the second sexiest. Uh, I, I can't even go. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going back there. I'm. We're we're moving on again. Moving on to Saudi Arabia this time. The headline for the next story in the four spot. WWE returns to Saudi Arabia for June 7th show. Undertaker Goldberg advertised. Newsweek is the source for this one. This one gets a very heavy bump of response, 31.19%. We posted this Wednesday, May the 1st. So let's get a uh, few lines from this story and some some commentary because this, uh, this one actually gets pretty, pretty deep, pretty, pretty quick. The WWE has returned to Saudi Arabia for another show this June. The company's official site announced that it will return to Jeddah, the site of the first Saudi Arabian show, on Friday, June the 7th. Not many details were given, but WWE is currently advertising Roman Reigns, Undertaker, Kofi Kingston, Braun Strowman, Seth Rollins, Goldberg, AJ Styles, and Brock Lesnar for the event. According to WWE.com, more details of the new Jeddah show will be announced coming weeks. So it goes deeper into the commentary of the commentary for what's going on here for Newsweek and why Newsweek is a source of this. It's a very big deal. The the Saudi Arabia had its first Saudi Arabian only show uh, called the Greatest Royal Rumble. Then that happened uh, last year in March of 2018. So and it was a really big deal. But the problem was they announced it for they announced it at a very big venue, which got shrunk. They announced it essentially as the uh, Khashoggi thing was happening, which was bad press. And they made a big deal about it to the Saudis, except none of the women that are on the WWE were on the card. It was the largest show of of any kind with so many acts going on. It was massive, but none of the women were allowed to go because women can't be wrestlers in Saudi Arabia. There was that one time, but uh, they were all covered up in like basically burqas. So this is a really big deal with the partnership that's going on. The partnership is extremely controversial with all that's going on back and forth, Saudi Arabia in general, the politics on top of it. And this is something that means a lot to even people who don't follow the sport of sports entertainment. If you are a big fan, let me know. We can conversate about this one. Uh, email me at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. Hook, hook up with me on the social media or, of course, Talk to us via the website, thisistheconversation.com. We are now at the story in the three spot this week, and this is one that also got posted yesterday as we record this on Friday, posted on Thursday, May the 2nd. This is one that picked up a lot of steam as well because it was a very big deal when it came through. The headline that we posted, Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca in Star Wars, dies at 74. Bump of response of 13.97% 
from the four story. We're going to read a few lines from the source that we pulled from. Of course, it was everywhere. Uh, we pulled the USA Today version, so we're going to read that. It was slightly updated later in the night after we posted it, but here's what we have to give you to today. Peter Mayhew, the legendary actor best known for playing Chewbacca in Star Wars films, has died at 74. Mayhew's family announced on Twitter Thursday that the London-born actor died Tuesday. Quote, he left us the evening of April 30th, 2019, with his family by his side in his North Texas home. Unquote. No cause was then given. Lucasfilm confirmed Mayhew's death to USA Today. A quote from the family, another quote from the family, he put his heart and soul into the role of Chewbacca, the family wrote. It showed in every frame of the films with his knock-kneed running, firing his bowcaster from his hip, his bright blue eyes down to each subtle movement of the head and mouth. Seven-foot-three Mayhew played the iconic Wookiee in five Star Wars films, including the original trilogy and most recently 2015 Star Wars The Force Awakens. Of course, he'd been dealing with, uh, this is me talking now, he'd been dealing with mobility issues of being that tall and, of course, being relatively old. That's something that happens. So he'd been walking with, oddly enough, a lightsaber <laughs> replica cane, and he actually played, or actually played a consultant in the last Star Wars movie as they worked to pass the mantle over to the next actor to carry the, the role of Chewbacca. Now, remember, it was essentially, a, as Princess Leia called him, the walking carpet, a big hairy mask and, and just hairy stuff all the time. So he was basically heralded for making the motions, the facial expressions, putting the actual life into Chewbacca. He didn't actually do the grunts and the voices. That was all computer generated. That was all sound sound guys. But Peter May, who is Chewbacca in body, in spirit, and for all fans just in life. So our thoughts and prayers, although we say that a lot, but we have thoughts and prayers going out to the family of Peter Mayhew because they've lost a good family member. And to all the fans out there who are dealing with this big loss, uh, we know um, exactly how this man and his work touched all of us. Sometimes you, we, we forget about the smaller middle roles in these things because you think the big-time stars get all of the attention, especially a guy who was essentially covered in a carpet the whole time. But Peter Mayhew, who is gone now at the age of 74. Let's move on to our next story right now. It's the number two story this week. It's also the top story on Twitter this week, which means a lot, but when we get to the the top story, you'll see how crazy things were. A bump of response of 3.23% from the number three story. The headline for this story is San Diego Synagogue Shooting, at least four injured man detained for questioning at Shabbat of Poway. And I apologize because I should be better at these pronunciations and things like that. So I just apologize in advance. We pulled this off from the uh, 7 News site in San Francisco. Uh, this was posted not so much real time but it was essentially after it was done and this this article has been updated a few times so it will sound much different than it did when we started but here's how reading from the story more or less posted or as it was wrapped up on this page uh, from sunday april 28th the day we actually posted it by the way of course saturday april 27th it was updated last on sunday the 28th Four people were shot, one fatally, when a suspect with an AR-type assault weapon opened fire at a San Diego County synagogue, according to local authorities. The San Diego County Sheriff's Department said in a tweet that deputies were called to the Shabbat of Poway Synagogue just before 11.30 a.m. local time. The synagogue is in a suburb about 30 minutes north of San Diego. 
Law enforcement sources told ABC News the shooting happened quickly. The shooter appears to have fired more than 10 rounds before leaving the synagogue. Four patients were taken to the Palmar Health Medical Center around 12.30 p.m., spokesman Dara Acosta said. One victim, 60-year-old Lori Gilbert Kay, later died. The congregational's rabbi, identified as Yeshurel Goldstein, was shot while eight-year-old Noya Dahan and 34-year-old Among Perta suffered shrapnel wounds. The suspect, 19-year-old John Ernest of San Diego, was apprehended by police. An off-duty Border Patrol agent who was in the synagogue opened fire on Ernest as he fled the building, but Ernest managed to escape, authorities said. You can go deeper into the story, and I'm sure you went deeper as the story unfolded this week. The link is, of course, at our website for this week's podcast. Go to thisisaconversation.com and check it out. But the story is kind of an odder one in this thing. Number one, everyone basically called the shooter, we're not going to talk his name anymore, uh, a copycat based on what happened in New Zealand and just based on what's happening in general. The really weird thing about this is it seemed like his rifle jammed in the process of the assault, and that's when he got away. He was shot at by the off-duty officer, and he got away. But then he later turned himself in. After that, they found the general stuff you find on these guys, the manifesto, the writings, the weird stuff like that, and we'll see exactly how things are going. This is a, number one, these types of things are just ridiculous. Uh, and, and the fact that we had the issue with Sri Lanka over Easter, which was supposedly a response to the New Zealand attack, basically going tit for tat for religion for religion. But this is um, this is this is ridiculous. This is weird. This doesn't make any sense whatsoever uh, how these things are going. I, I can't explain it. I don't understand it. I can't I can't begin to. This is one we're just going to have to kind of let this one linger on there. If you want to discuss it more, reach out via the email at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. We can talk of this matter or any of the stories, the 10 in the top 10, routing out the 15 or the irrelevant one, which we'll get to in the second segment. But if that was the number two story, that means the fanfare must begin for the number one story this week, which gets a bump response from the two of 112%. From the story in the number 10 spot this week, which was the headline on the WWE tryouts for the football players, a bump in response of 322%. And from the number 209 story this week, which we will unveil a little later, the responsiveness was 9,154% more than that story. Oh, and this one's going to piss you off quite a bit. Headline, tech company asked for preferably Caucasian candidate on LinkedIn job posted. So whether you hate LinkedIn or hate postings about really racist things, this one's going to get your goat. This was the top Facebook story of the week, by the way, as well, by leaps and bounds, although Twitter was pretty unhappy with it as well. I say unhappy because I think the general consensus was a lot of frowny faces, a lot of mean faces, a lot of just kind of thumbs-down emojis. Here's a little bit that we have from the HuffPost. And, uh, by the way, it was coming from the Black Voices section, blog section, so this does make it sort of the blackly black, 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 black story of the week. But here's what we have, an actual story of an actual posting that got a lot of actual people pissed off. IT staffing and recruiting company CNET Systems has finally apologized for its racist job listing that Twitter users spotted last week. The otherwise fairly standard posting appeared on various sites, including LinkedIn, and began by stipulating that the job candidate be, quote, preferably Caucasian, unquote. That was the first, the very first thing it was asking for. 
It should be obvious, but employee dis employment discrimination on the basis of race or color is legal and is only legal to prefer candidates of a specific age, sex, religion, or national origin if there's, quote, bona fide occupation qualification, unquote, that relates to the essence of central mission of the employee's business. That's a very butchered way of saying that if you're selling to a certain group of people and that certain group of people really need that certain group of people to look like them, then you can do that. But that's the only case that it happens. Please go and read the full story or look up online to get your dander up on that one as well. It's another Southern expression. Just to make sure you guys knew that that we have the sexier voices. Because uh, this is something that um, should be fairly obvious, obvious. But in this day and age, fairly obvious tends to not be very obvious at all. So that's, so that's where we are. For a, for, for a change, it's not a terrible, horrible, bad story that we're doing in number one. But it's not necessarily a great story either. But it's the story. It's in the number one spot this week. And that means we are done with segment one of the podcast. So thank you very much for listening to those 10 stories that you guys put in that place. And if you're not one of the guys that put those stories in that place, you can fix that easily. All you have to do is follow us on social media. TH underscore conversations, how you follow us on Twitter. This is a conversation. Search for that on Facebook and make sure we are a primary source in your feed. If you're going to get fake news from anybody, you might as well get it from us. As the stories come down the line, like them, love them, hate them, share them, reply to them, reply to me, reply to anybody you want to. Do what you do to engage the stories and the ones that basically you love a lot or you hate a lot or just make you go, oh, that's weird. The ones with the most responses come up in the top 10, the first segment of the show every single week. Coming up in mere moments, we're going to segment two. That means some housekeeping, which will be relatively light this week and the almost relevant story for this week at number 209. That's here for the wrap-up show with Jay Cleveland Payne. This is for the week ending May the 4th, 2019. We've got a big thanks circle coming up. I want to thank you for taking care of one of our great sponsors, Cloud9 Living, and allowing them to thank you to thank, for taking care of you in the process and all of us taking care of each other in a great big circle of love and taking care of this. Cloud9 Living offers up the best experiences around the world and the best experience on the web to get to that experience. And the really cool thing about it is you can buy your experience as a gift certificate so you don't have to pick it right now. And you can give that gift certificate to anyone you want to so they can pick it when they want to. And the value of the certificate never expires. And if you book something and you change your mind later, you can unbook and book something else with no value loss. It's really, really cool. But since I am currently pitching you on the effort of going to Cloud9 Living and getting one of their deals, I'm not the one to listen to. Here are some real five-star reviews for Cloud9 Living. It was an informative website and an easy-to-process purchase for the gift. Site was easy to navigate. Took no time for me to make a decision on a trip for my daughter and her husband. Links were fast to pop up. Easy to execute and cart-made payments. Well-managed site for Cloud9. The shopping experience was easy and flexible. Customer service was great and fast. The experience was better than expected. The pilot David made for a safe and exciting flight would highly recommend. My grandson loved the experience as I did. I videotaped the entire 737 trip and it was even better to watch with the directions given by the co-pilot explaining what was going on and what had to be done on the checklist before takeoff and landing. 
a real eye-opener as to what goes on in cockpit during flight. Great fun and education. That's from real users from Cloud9 Living. So if you want to get in on this greatness, we've got a great deal from you. Go through our website. This is a conversation.com slash cloud nine. That's the normal nine, of course. And you can get a great deal on certificates that you buy today from Cloud9 Living. And as we said, you can hold on to these things for forever because the value never expires. Just because time goes on, they don't take money out of your check. It's always there. They've been creating great memories since 2005, so they're great experiences for your family, your friends, your loved ones, and corporate gifts as well. Over 2,200 unforgettable experiences on the list. Every taste, budget, and style, and all over the world, essentially. Any place you think you want to go, they got something for you there. So check them out. Go to the website, thisisconversation.com slash cloud9 for a great deal. Then we're so glad to be able to partner up with these guys from Cloud9 Living. No real serious issues, so not much in the way of housekeeping. We did have two WWE-related topics, but they were where they were. This was a week where, unlike past weeks, we had what we call super stories, where we have two stories, sometimes three stories, uh, updates of the stories, same genre that were in the range, and we added them together to make them go higher up in the countdown so there wouldn't be multiple stories. But this is a week we had absolutely nothing that was really out of the ordinary, from the top one to the top to 15. Everything was free and clear. So we're going to uh, take credit for that being great on number one, but take a little time to re-explain the process of this conversation. Now, as we said, every single day, about every 50 minutes, we post a link to the social media, and 50 minutes just turned away to kind of churn up the actual time to do it. We After working this out for about a year and a couple months or so and coming back from the hiatus, it just turned that every time we got a story, we would post it and then we update a next another one every 50 minutes and we go 24-7, it turns to a bunch of different stories from different sources. We take into consideration things that are trending at the moment and we do shift things around in the day and push other stories back. And we are, because now we're posting so many stories, starting to have to do more editing and kill some stories in the process, pull some stories out of the listing because just of time. After a while, they just get a little stale or seem stale. At the same time, some of the stories that we post that end up being pushed back to a later date get picked up by other media, and then they become something larger, and then they become something that blows up, and it's something we find really, really interesting in what people are actually talking about. The kind of joke behind the Beyond the Chiron thing is we see a lot of things, at least I see them personally since I work in news, every single day that we get stuck on as the main story. Yesterday we had uh, we had tornado-like conditions here in the state, so we talked about the tornado for a lot of time. So other stories that were interesting and that uh, that were not in the way of a tornado, let's say the, the, tornado went, the tornado force winds were not in your area, that wasn't a big deal to you, unfortunately. That's sort of how it goes. So we post stories that are not essentially all Trump all the time, as you see on the network news or the, the news network, should say. The network news, not quite all Trump all the time, but they, they do come close. And they do go between sometimes really silly stuff, sometimes really serious stuff, sometimes really weird local regional stuff that we pull out that are kind of cool. And we just see what people want to talk about. And like we said, you respond to them. We give you a number. You give us a number. We give them back to you in the stories as they are. 
We are very happy to be doing this. This is year, technically year three of the podcast. There was a nice long hiatus, and it took a while to get it to this weekly format. It was once a five-story-of-the-day format for a daily show. Turns out doing a daily show is kind of hard, so you want to check out that. We do offer up daily countdowns for what's happening, so if you do follow us on social media, you will see on the Twitter, the Instagram, and the Facebook every single day, unless we forget to do it, an image graphic that gives you the top five stories and the rough counting of the day. We go through a harder process at the end of the week where we put the Facebook and the Twitter together and do some weighing of stuff. But the raw numbers, based on some raw data, those are the top stories for that day based on a poll somewhere between uh, 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock Central Time every single day. So if you're curious about that, that's how that happens. Now, if you're curious about story 209, let's get to that one right now. We call it the almost relevant story of the day or the week because usually it's a story that's posted very late, so it doesn't get a lot of time to generate much interest. But sometimes it's very, very interesting. Sometimes it's very, very important and it just is so late. And sometimes it just it's just odd. Here's the headline for this week. And like I said, story number 209, so that means we had 209 specific different things posted. We, the only reference we get to how how it worked was essentially in the last segment when we talked about the difference between number one and 209. New York Times editorial board blasts appalling anti-Semitic cartoon in Times International Edition. This we posted the source was from USA Today. I'm going to give you, uh, I'm sorry, the source was Yahoo News. I'm going to give you a few lines from the actual story and you can take it from there. New York Times editorial board is taking aim at its Times International Edition for running what it calls an appalling anti-Semitic cartoon. The cartoon, which was published on Thursday in the print newspaper, portrayed a blind President Trump wearing a yarmulke being led to unleash by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who is depicted as a guide dog with a Star of David collar. Quote, The appearance of such an obviously bigoted cartoon in a mainstream publication is evidence of profound danger not only of the anti-Semitism, but of numbness to its creep, to the insidious way this ancient enduring prejudice is once again working itself into the public view and common conversation. This was the write-up from the board on the Wednesday print edition of this story. Oh, let me go back just a second. Sorry about that. We posted this story on Friday, May the 3rd, by the way. So it posted this morning, which is why it didn't get a lot of love into the countdown. But... It is one of those things that are a lot more important than you think it is. Just didn't get the love going on. Check out the link to this story as well. It'll be listed as number 16 because I can't change number 16 to 209 in the process of the form. I'm not quite that smart. Basically, I'm just reading what you guys tell me, but you guys tell me what you want to do, and it works just like that. Moving on to the next segment, we'll come back and round out the top 15, and this is a really cool thing. Shoutouts. We'll send love to folks on Facebook and Twitter who sent us extra love this week in just a bit here on The Wrap-Up Show with me, Jay Cleveland Payne, from thisisaconversation.com. This is for the week ending May the 4th. Go ahead and take some time. Get those, get the jokes out now. 2019. About a year or so ago, I was posting to a, a group of, for podcasters on Facebook, and most of them have a weekly here's your post link or, or, or post where you can put in a post for whatever it is you posted that week in your podcast. Of course, I produce a lot of podcasts, so it always sort of shifts. 
But this week I saw, or this week a year or so ago, I saw a link to a podcast. I clicked on it, and just out of randomness, because every time I click on a couple of random ones, and I have fallen in love with this podcast and these two people within five minutes. The research was spot on. The commentary between the hosts was was brilliant. And it was one of the fewest podcasts, few podcasts that I essentially just started ranting and raving about immediately to everyone and every source I had. That podcast has changed its name. Uh, was once called Rants and Reasons. Now it's called Context and Clarity. But the mission is still the same. It's a political co- uh, podcast, a political history podcast that deals with the history of things in a political bent that sort of sort of warp from now to then. You d- basically see parallels from what's going on right now to how things happen in the past. It was hosted by a liberal and a conservative, although now they say they aren't liberal or conservative. Not quite sure what they are, but they're still good friends, and they still put out this podcast about once or twice a month. Check it out at contextandclarity.org slash podcast, and you can... Learn from yourself. Listen to Karen. Listen to Chuck. Listen to Karen. Make fun of Chuck. Listen to Chuck. Take what he what he gets from Karen and listen to a great podcast that goes through history and the politics of our history and history of our politics all the same time. Check them out. I would highly recommend it. You will probably fall in love with it as soon as you listen to it as well. And if you don't get that same heart you should have got from that story in the first segment uh, about the World War II veteran. Get 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 another heart, because apparently you don't have enough hearts to melt in this case. Context and Clarity is an awesome podcast. They also produce some or podcasts, so once you fall in love with that one, they'll probably suck you into the other ones as well. It's at contextandclarity.org slash podcast. Get yourself started or search for Context and Clarity wherever your pods are cast, and you'll find them there. Help my good friends out. Make this thing become a nationwide phenomenon. It is Context and Clarity, one of the best podcasts on politics, history, politics and history, or just in podcasting in general. It is time for shout outs for all the people who gave us a little extra love over the week, seven ish, eight ish days, on the stories that we posted on our Facebook and Twitter sites. Starting off with Facebook today, Ruth Ann Miller showing me a lot of love and keeping me going on, on a week that was, in some cases, really, really rough to get through. Uh, she definitely showed a lot of love to a lot of stories this week. Thank you so much for being one of our usual suspects. Also, in case, Audra Allen, Edward Johnson, Barnell Black, Tom Page jumping in this week, Jesse Bailey, Clarence E. Springer, and Tony Brown. Thank you so much for contributing this week. Some people who shouted us out in the Twitter, great place to shout us as well, include some new podcasts as well. Content Writing Tips for Business, also the Film Exiles podcast. Thanks for following us podcasters and you want some some love, maybe a spot in that promo spot we just had, let me know. We'll hook you up. Also have Doc Design, Atar Project, Jessica Rogers with lots of love this week, Zilzo, Darren Carroll, Christy, just Christy, James Wilder Jr., of course, hopefully you did well in your tryout this week, James. We'll see what happens in the near future. And Lucy Martinda. Thank you so much, ladies, men, and bots, for contributing to this week's podcast. We appreciate all the love you gave us in this segment. Now we move on to wrap things up and get out of here by rounding out the top 15, going through stories 11 through 15 uh, very quickly so we can stay on the brevity kick and see about telling you what stories didn't quite make it in and maybe why 
they were just on the cusp. Starting off, just in order from here, number 11, the headline we posted was, School bus driver get who raped 14-year-old girl gets no prison time. And that was posted, of course, on Tuesday, April the 30th. Now, the source of this was Yahoo News. or Basically, they pulled it from HuffPost. A few lines from this story. A New York man was sentenced to 10 years probation, but no prison time after pleading guilty to raping a 14-year-old girl he met while driving a school bus. The judge in the case defended his controversial ruling by pointing out that Peace had only raped one girl rather than multiple. Shane Peace, that's his full name, reportedly met the victim through his job as a school bus driver in Watertown City School District in upstate New York last year. Peace, who was either 25 or 26 years old, according to conflicting reports, raped the 14-year-old student at his home in June of 2018 and was later arrested in September. Peach was initially charged with second-degree rape, first-degree unlawful dealing with a child and endangering in the welfare of a child by providing alcohol to a victim before the assault, according to the Watertown Daily Times. The victim's mothers told local news station WWNY in February that Peace, quote, bought her daughter gifts and invited her and other minors to his home where he gave them alcohol. This, of course, goes deeper and deeper into the story, and it goes on to say, obviously, he's no longer driving buses for the school district. But if you want to go deeper into the story, check it out via the link at the website. This is theconversation.com, and this is the link for this week's podcast. This is a story that got a lot of people disturbed, a lot of people upset about this one, a lot of angry faces on this one. Trust me, it was a big one, but not quite big enough to make it into the top 10. This one at 11 was barely out of the running. This one was a weird one in number 11 spot. We posted it to the social media sites on Monday, April 29th, and it lasted a good good while when it got there. And I didn't I didn't think it actually would be within range. But between the Facebook and the Twitter, a lot of people jumped onto this to keep this alive. The headline is YouTuber Edka calls himself God on Twitter post anti-Semitic message because I have no idea who the guy was. It was trending and it just was like, OK, let's see what happens. I'm going to read a few lines from the story. We pulled this one from Newsweek as well. Newsweek becoming a pretty good source of news. We joke about fake news sometimes. A really good source of stories that you wouldn't expect to see because they have a, a national-wide perspective. Desmond Edka Amofa is back on Twitter, this time to share a series of cryptic and, at times, anti-Semitic messages. Since his first brush of controversy, in October, the content creator went on a Twitter tirade and posted pornographic content to his own YouTube channel to get it deleted. He had a similar outburst in April, which included threatening to commit suicide with a gun. Police arrived, and he was sent to a hospital shortly after. Since the incident, he had remained fairly silent on social media, other than a few messages posted in his subreddit over the past few weeks. On Monday, the YouTuber, with more than 200,000 Twitter followers, went back on the account. He had posted hundreds of times sharing that he is a god, saying he fears nothing, and sharing a photographed image of him holding a gun. Photoshopped image, sorry about that. In a quickly deleted tweet, Etka wrote, F the Jews, angering the already confused fan base. The cryptic and hateful messages are impossible to decipher, with many fans online questioning his motives and mental wellness. There are more than 66,000 tweets about Etka posted today from fans who are considered for the content creator making him trending on the site. So I have no idea who this guy is, but I have no idea who a lot of these people are, but they're famous for whatever really stupid things they are. And this is something that I would consider not that bright as well. 
Uh, if you are a person dealing with mental illness, I'm not going to joke about that because it's a serious thing. But if you're a person who is dealing with these type of things, please do what you need to do. Don't worry about stigma or whatever. Go get some help and talk to someone. If you're just a person just being a jerk, then be a jerk, I guess, on Twitter. Be a jerk in your own time. Don't bother me with it. This story is in the number 13 spot this week. And the headline we posted was police searching for shooter after four family members shot killed inside Westchester apartment. Monday, April 29th, the day we posted this one, the headline has been updated. And it is now listed as search for killer continues after four members of same family found dead. Updated on April 30th, the last time it was done. So we'll read this from Westchester Township, Ohio, WLWT Channel 5 News. A homicide investigation is underway after four family members were shot and killed at the lakefront at Westchester apartment complex Sunday. Police responded to the scene around 9.40 p.m. for a call of four people down inside an apartment on Wintree Drive, police said. Police found four adults, three women and one man, dead inside the apartment from multiple gunshot wounds. The victims were all related and lived in the home together, Westchester Police Chief Joel Herzog said. In a 911 call released by police, an emotionally emotional family member tells a dispatcher he came home to find his wife and three other family members bleeding. And so this goes deeper into the story, what, what they found. Of course, they're still looking for the shooter. It's a very weird story, and we're very sad to have these types of stories come up. But as we say often in these podcasts and around this, this is based around the stories that you find interesting. It's very interesting to find that the stories that aren't necessarily the top headline news that don't make it in there. Sometimes it is a big headline that is what catches people's attention. And sometimes it's something seemingly as random as this one random murder story out of Ohio. This is what was interesting for you this week, and we are reporting it just like that. Another interesting story, because it came up in last week's uh, podcast, last week's countdown, about Avengers Endgame and saying that all of the numbers were expected to be great because it was expected to be great, but they didn't think it'd have the big earth-shattering number of actual dollars, essentially your opening day money. money. Headline, Avengers Endgame has biggest opening day ever. So we were wrong. A lot of people were wrong. And... We'll find that you guys were wrong last week because that's what you got jumped up onto. Or maybe you jumped onto because you knew we were wrong. Friday, April 26th, this was posted. I'm not going to go into the story here. I'm going to give you the source. Sources, CNN Business's website. But here's kind of the tricky thing on that. Number one, things keep breaking records because movie prices are so much higher than they were in the past. And so you do comparisons by you know today's dollars and yesterday's dollars. But still, when you're paying three times as much for a movie now than I did when I was 15, uh, it makes a difference in what goes on. The other thing about Avengers Endgame was this was so big that some people wanted to see the culmination of this. Many theaters in larger markets ran the thing 24-7, and the movie was full for most of the first four or five days, for the full weekend, till Tuesday-ish. The 24-hour 24 24 day showings were essentially a hit, in most cases, full sellouts. So you offer up that many chances to see it. Of course, it all opened up worldwide at the same time. That made a big difference there as well. So that's what you get on that one. No one is necessarily surprised at this, but essentially the last-minute push to make sure that everyone in the world had a chance to see it at the same moment made a big deal 
for making it work on that end. What may be surprising is the placement of the story sitting at 14, not quite high enough to make it into the top 10. And this story is interesting that it made it to 15 because not that we are immune to real sports stories. There was a lot of coverage for every time the college football is in there. There's a lot of coverage on that. And I don't think it's just because it's trending. I think a lot of you people um, are probably Southerners with a very sexy accent or have some love for college football or the big championships. This is a story we pulled from the For the Win blog site off of USA Today. The headline is Dabo Sweeney's huge new contract includes an extra harsh penalty if he leaves for Alabama. I will basically read a few lines of this one because that explains why that even means anything. Dabo Sweeney led the Clemson Tigers to their second national championship in their three years last season and he was rewarded with an outrageously large contract that makes him the highest-paid football coach. College football coach, I should say. Clemson and Sweeney agreed to a 10-year contract extension worth $93 million and will pay him an average of $9.3 million per year, school announced on Friday. Overall, it's bigger than Nick Saban's eight-year $74 million deal with Alabama through 2025 and the 10-year $75 million contract Jimbo Fisher signed with Texas A&M after the 2017 season. Tigers obviously want Sweeney to stay with them for a while, but they also realize they don't want him to leave for Alabama, his alma mater, where he was an assistant coach before going to Clemson. So this contract also includes a largely specific buyout language should Sweeney want to coach the Clemson Crimson Tide. If Sweeney leaves at some point for Alabama, the money he would owe Clemson increases by 50%. That's a kind of a weird thing in these clauses for all these folks because that's a it's, it's just a cutthroat game. And, you know, a, a school can buy out someone else's contract, and it's usually some big chunk of money to take someone else's coach, especially if they're on the rise. But they put it in here that essentially he can go anywhere he wants to for this big chunk of money, but he goes to Alabama, he has to pay a little bit more. It'd take way too long to go how deep that is. If you don't understand it, then reach to me in email. If you do understand it, we can talk about it in email as well. That is, of course, the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Also, conversate via the website, the com- this is conversation.com. I'm Jay Cleveland Payne, and I am getting extremely tired apparently today. So, we're going to wrap this thing up. This has been a weird week going on. A lot of things happening in the background for this is the conversation to my side stuff, and just a lot of things in general. So, we're happy we were able to just complete the whole gosh darn thing, and happy that you wanted to be along for the ride. And we thank you very much because this does not happen without you. Literally, it doesn't happen without you because you guys vote on the stories. I have nothing to talk about if you don't tell me what to talk about. So tell me what to talk about. And it's very simple. Go to our website and see how things work at thisistheconversation.com. Follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at thisistheconversation. We're on Twitter at th underscore conversation. We're on Facebook at thisistheconversation. Those last two are very important because that's where you get a chance to have your votes cast. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and as the stories come down your feed, like us, love us, hate us, share us, engage with the stories. The more engagement that you give a story, the greater numbers it gets. It gets put into the spreadsheet, the numbers are crunched, there's algorithms and whatnots, and bam, you get a top 10 for every single week. In order to make sure we're having the best conversations, we want more people in the conversation. So share the podcast and share the links with all the folks you know. Find some strangers, find some family members, find just the people that you really, really hate and show them how much you hate them by telling them of this great podcast, this awesome thing they should have, and they will sign up for it out of spite just because they will, it means you have to share it with them, and that will make you hate each other or something. 
But yeah, share with as many people as you can and make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so that you can make sure you don't miss out on it automatically. It magically comes via the internet at wherever your casts are pod. And you, of course, can find the links at the website. This is a conversation.com plus all links to all stories for the day. This is the part where I say thank you a lot because I'm going to do it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to our big sponsor for this week. There was, we put a big spotlight on our great friends at Cloud9 Living. Thank you so much for context and clarity of the podcast. Check them out because they also have, they have a very awesome podcast, which must let stumbling and bumbling like I do here to people who can actually read, which is an interesting thing for a concept. Plus, it's great stories on history and politics. And they're just two fun people. And, of course, thank you so much for being here with us, putting up with all these things going on here in this podcast. Find more things about me at jclunepain.net or email me at jclunepain at gmail.com. And be here next week. More conversation, more fun, more chat chat, and more things that got missed throughout the week because Chiron was stuck on Trump stuff. That's what I see most of the time here. So I try to dig into the deeper stories and you always tell me which stories are the best ones right here on the wrap up show with Jay Cleveland Payne. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, brought to you by this is the conversation.com.